Hello, hello, peace lovers and peacemakers, and those people who stand for fighting against injustice non-violently. Welcome to this show. I'm Sarah Jamshidi, and you are on Peace Mindedly, a podcast I feature peaceful bridge makers. Every Tuesdays and Thursdays for the previous seven weeks, I've been here on Facebook Live to talk with you about peace, kindness, and compassion. For Peace Mindedly's first season, I've been going live on Facebook to conduct this show. My aim is to connect with my audience members, let them ask questions from my guests, let them share their comments on Facebook comment box, and let myself and you to learn from their perspective. Later, I edit the same interview for Peace Mindedly podcast. I take out ums, ahs, you knows, and unrelated points. I tighten up and clean up the sounds and sayings. I make it ready for you to enjoy a pleasant audio conversation. My guests join me from their houses, using their laptops to connect with me for the show. There are times like today's show that the sound quality is not perfect. I really hope you forgive me. I really appreciate if you could hold nothing against some brilliant ideas that my guests share here. From the bottom of my heart, I thank you. Merci, shukran, teşekkür, toda for being here and enjoying the wisdom that my guests share. Here, I would like to introduce my my assistant producer. Hello, Salam Matin. Matin, you are uh, please unmute yourself. Matin, hold. Salam, everyone. Hello, hello. Matin holds PhD in Islamic studies, and for today's show, I think we are going to have a scholar who can chip in and give us her thoughts. So Matin is taking the questions and comments. Help me out to sort out whatever we need to talk about for this show. Okay, Matin, John, stay put. For this hour, we are talking with three amazing women. Cheryl Olitsky is the executive director of Sisterhood of Salam Shalom. In just a few years, under Cheryl's leadership, the sisterhood grown into a movement. Currently, the organization has more than 140 chapters in many cities in North America. I think Cheryl is going to tell us about how the organization is expanding. Cheryl has a marketing executive background, leadership, and organizational skills, and passion to make ideas reality. She is very brave to take bold actions against injustice and hate, thrive to make her surroundings more peaceful. Religion and spirituality is important to Cheryl. My next guest, so I'm going to just welcome Cheryl very quickly. Hello, Cheryl. Hello, thank you. Very good to have you here. Sarah Haider is Assistant Director, Chapter Management of Sisterhood of Salam Shalom. She has a strong sense of community. I'm going to welcome Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Hi, everybody. Nice hello, 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 hello. Uh, she has a strong sense of community. Sarah uses her leadership skills to play an important part in addressing Islamophobia within the context of peace and sisterhood. She was the founding Muslim co-leader for the Sisterhood in Houston, in Houston chapter. She received the Houston Humanitarian Award for her work with the Sisterhood. 
Julie Plout Warwick. Hello, Julie. Hi. Hello, hello, hello. Certified laughter yoga teacher and founding Jewish co-chairperson of the Sisterhood of Salam Shalom in the greater Seattle area. Julie is the founder of Connecting the Pieces, where she manages workshops and sessions of laughter yoga. Julie has an intense passion for connecting people to themselves. She wants to help people to develop inner peace and create collective goodness for themselves and for the planet. Okay, ladies, it's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to start with the most difficult question. The question is going to go to Sarah, and I am just probably merciless here. So I have to disclose that Julie and I manage the Sisterhood of Salam Shalom in this greatest Seattle area. So I do have some personal interest in, in having this discussion. So I opened up uh, to our group, amazing group of women. We are a few Jewish women and a few Muslim women. And then I just uh, told them whoever has a question to just uh, send my way and I'm going to ask the question. One of these amazing people is Marlene Mayer. So Marlene writes, I am non-religious, non-religion, agnostic Jew from a non-religious background. I have many relatives and friends who are religious. They are angry and afraid of being injured by Muslims. How can I convey the warmth and caring I have learned from my Muslim friends in this group? What are the words I can use to be a bridge to families and friends? So Sarah, you and I know that Islamophobia is serious. And then I want to see what is your recommendation to Marlene? So when we're talking about the preconceived ideas that general public and especially two groups, Muslim and Jewish, have traditionally had about each other's communities, those are basically a derivative of media hype and politicization of geopolitical events. And once we step forward and actually meet on a personal level, where the sisterhood has enabled us in, in a way to connect on a human level first, building the personal relationships and connections so that we can interact in our shared humanity and learn that you know there are no two ways to love a person. The way we get to know each other and build relationships will determine how we perceive each other in real terms rather than based on stereotypes and preconceived ideas. So the premise for the sisterhood is that through our efforts of meeting and connecting, we are able to build trusting, respectful relationships with people and help connect in a way that the two communities have not been able to sitting in our own separate bubbles. So, so Marlene comes to you and Marlene says, what should I say to these people who are afraid of uh, Muslims? What do you tell her? I would invite them to come and attend or observe a sisterhood opportunity. You know, they don't necessarily have to join. They can just come and, you know, be part of the experience as an outsider. So they can see that there is no fear factor between our Jewish and Muslim sisters. We are very 
connected, we are able to respectfully engage and build friendships and lifelong relationships by Absolutely. working together. So Cheryl, you started this and it was important to you to address Islamophobia. Tell me this story, what happened and why you're excluding men? <laughs> so those are two questions. I'll start with the first one. And it all started in late 2009, early 2010, as I was leading a group of almost 40 people on a trip to Auschwitz. Um, we had a local Polish guide. And as we're pulling into Auschwitz, I had the microphone and something was really bothering me. And the short story is I asked him why I didn't see anyone different why I didn't see anyone of color, anyone of Asian background, anyone who is openly LGBTQ, why I didn't see anyone with a head covering, either a headscarf or a, a kippah on their head. And he looked at me and said, my dear, Poland is for the Poles. You mentioned a headscarf. We don't have a Muslim problem here because Muslims are not welcome. And as I walked through one of the worst places in the world, and that is Auschwitz, one of the worst atrocities the world has ever seen. I was really bothered by his words. I knew I had to do something. I had a calling. And at that point, I realized that I could not change history, but I could rewrite history by changing the future and changing the future by putting it into hate. That was my commitment. I came back. I called a local imam I knew who introduced me to my co-founder, Athea we created one little chapter of 12 women. A journalist covered us. It went viral. And the rest is history. We went from a small organization to a movement with over 8,000 women. So why did, you, why did you call it Sisterhood of Salam Shalom? Without offending any of our brothers who are out there, we know from neuroscientists that women's brains are wired differently than men. Women navigate the world through relationships. And it was our feeling, our strong feeling, that if we wanted to change perceived hate, negative stereotypes, prejudice, and turn that into caring and love, the fastest way we could do that was through those whose brains are wired through relationship building first. And then we focus on differences. We focus on challenges. And that was women. And as minority women and minority women of faith, we have a lot of challenges, challenges in bringing up families with a level of observance, however you define that. Challenges in navigating a calendar that is very different than our religious calendars. Challenges in dietary habits. So many and challenges and pressure that's put on us however liberal we are, that's put on us as being um, women who are responsible often for holiday observance, for um, the observance of religious upbringing of our children, taking care of our parents. And we share those commonalities that we don't share with others, including men. That's what brought us together, including the commitment that we have to ensure a better future for our ch our children and our grandchildren. So there is a there is a power in storytelling. As you were explaining the story, I had a goosebump about the Poland and the Polish guys, and I want Julie to tell us the story of our chapter. 
So our chapter started, what was it, three years ago? Something like that. And my rabbi, Johanna Kinberg, put something on Facebook that she was looking for uh, somebody to help her on the Jewish end to um, to be a, a co-chairperson. And I immediately raised my hand. I, in every sense of being, want peace. And I know in my heart that what Cheryl was saying with the relationships part and women, we're going to change the world. And so I met with Chava, I'm going to say her name wrong, Montersky, to see if I can do this on the east side in Seattle. And that's, and then Chava was friends with Sarah because they had been working on this as well. And Sarah and I met and the rest is history. I had never had the opportunity to walk into a Muslim woman's home. Not that I never wanted to, it's that I didn't have the opportunity. And I walked into Sarah's home and I felt so welcomed and noticed that she's just like me. And we are fast friends. And I I love how it's grown. We now we now have a steering committee of more people than just me and Sarah because Sarah and I are very busy and things go through the cracks. But what I love is that we have more people organizing and it's been fabulous. I wanted to thank Elizabeth Page Cook, Mahnaz Akbari and Zainab Khan and then um, Liz uh, managing the emails and Facebook, Julie does the Facebook. I mean, we, we manage what to discuss, what to do and how to go about and all of those. So I'm so grateful for the group that I have. And I do feel the sense of kinship and friendship in the in the group. And then probably this is what you were expecting, Cheryl. So I want to know what are, what are the some unanticipated pleasant surprise that came out out of uh, this uh, Sisterhood of Salam Shalom partnership and relationship. Cheryl, I'm going to start with you. I never expected to go from six chapters in 2014 to 25 in the spring of 2016 to 50 in November of 2016 to be on the front page above the centerfold of the New York Times in November of 16, to be on the Today Show, to all of a sudden take us to 100 chapters, and now in the summer of 2020 to take us to more than 175 chapters. I said women navigate the world through relationships. We go from bringing strangers together to turning them into friends to turning them into true sisters. And this was a dream that I had. Never in my wildest dreams did I think it would blossom into such a movement of women who are changing the world. I also could never anticipate the level of hate that we are facing today. It was something that if you asked me, I would never anticipate it. But we have 8,000 foot soldiers on the ground who are saying, not to my children, not to my mother, not to my daughter, not to my granddaughter, not to all those babies that are out there and the babies that are yet to be born. 
It's these women and these teenage girls who are taking on hate stronger than I ever anticipated. So it's been an absolute wonderful ride to be on, to see it happening, to see women of all ages from 14 to their 90s stepping up in leadership roles and literally changing the world, one Muslim and one Jewish woman at a time. One Muslim, one Jewish woman at a time, and now the Muslim woman. So what are what has been the unanticipated surprises of, the, of this partnership? So it's interesting that the sisterhood came into my life at a time when geopolitical circumstances were very tense in July of 2014, and I attended an interfaith breaking of the fast, iftar, with 30 Muslim and 30 Jewish people coming together. And my first surprise was meeting somebody in that environment that I already knew through another networking opportunity. And it wasn't necessarily through interfaith channels that I knew uh, Shelly, but I did know somebody already in that group and we started talking. And when we were in that conversation, the local Houston Chronicle photographer took that picture and that became the face of that interfaith interaction, which compelled me to look deeper into, you know, being part of something in a more organized manner where the Muslim and Jewish community came together. And she and I were women who knew each other from professional networking group, but we came together and became the face. And later on, when I did some research and heard about the sisterhood of Salam Shalam, I was really drawn to learn more. And it's interesting that our faith foundations, the even the wording of a lot of our um, common values have similar language. So once I got um, looking at the Sisterhood of Salam Shalom, you know, just the word Salam Shalom, very much the same parallels. Sadaka, Sadaka, there are tons of concepts and um, words and practices and belief systems that have so much more in common than I knew coming to this journey. So much in common that you knew it's coming into this journey, so much in common. So how about for you, Julie? What were the unanticipated surprises that you found interesting in this uh, in this partnership? So I think that it's been kind of with our chapter, kind of this up and down with membership and what are we going to do? And then all of a sudden, when we brought more people in, more people want to get involved. And now during COVID, where everything is on Zoom or wherever we are, we had an amazing meeting with people. They were all, there were many new people that were there. And to me, to have new people during COVID was amazing. And everybody is helping. There was one woman whose mother had passed away and she talked about sitting a virtual shiva and we all came together to help her and to be there for her she was new but she felt so comfortable talking to us so i i think it's the idea of sisterhood of peace of coming together we say salam shalom and we say sisterhood. 
the words in itself has a tremendous power, in my opinion, and immediately connects people, but immediately connects Muslims and Jews. So Cheryl, why we are excluding Christians? I addressed this a little bit earlier. As and, and, and by the way, when we started, I didn't anticipate the significance of this for what we're facing today. But the Pew Research shows that those that hate Jews are the same people for the most part that hate Muslims and vice versa. The hate against both of our faith groups is unbelievable. And it is something that both faith groups share that is not shared with other faith groups. It's something that is a struggle that we all face. And it's something that we often face alone as these two faith groups. In addition, being a Jewish or Muslim woman of faith is not an easy thing to do in the United States or Canada, which is where the vast majority of our groups are. It's something that we face alone that is very difficult to share with those who are of a different faith group. So if our goal is twofold, one, to build relationships, and because of these relationships, to commit to putting an end to hate toward both faith groups as well as anyone else who is otherized, how are we going to do that as quickly as possible. We're gonna do that with those who share the most in common with us. One, Muslims and Jews who are facing this problem. And two, women who are the most interested in overcoming any issues and problems because they want to build these relationships. Yes, Sarah, you were nodding. So <laughs> you agree. What is your take on Cheryl just um, shared? So when you look at the world, and the strife in the world, you realize that men have created a world that is based on greed and speed. And women have a different set of uh, values that they bring to this conversation in their interactions. And we build from connection, we build from grace and pace ourselves to develop something. We are natural nurturers. and the world is in need of healing through peace and love. And that's why the sisterhood becomes such a significant partner and mission in many of our sisters' lives because we feel we can own our voice and make a difference in this world and present a different view of how to go about navigating life because the existing structures are not always conducive to nurturing growth, peaceful connection and love. How come? Why the uh, existing structure is not nurturing? Well, a lot of it is, again, based on power and control dynamics. And if you look at the challenges, geopolitical challenges in the world, uh, they are driven by power and control. Women's basic instinct is to nurture and connect instead of divide and control. So we bring a different perspective to solving problems in that context. And that's why I feel that the sisterhood has a prominent role to play in bringing people together and bringing peace in this world. Excellent. Can, can I add something to that? Absolutely. Professor, you know, if you look back at history, 
Jews and Muslims were so close. It was only political issues of the not so distant past that separated us and it's politicians and it's media that further tries to separate Muslims and Jews. And for years, Jews and Christians over 50 years have really established very close relationships. For a number of years, Muslims and Christians have established close relationships. You did not see this happening in the United States and Canada between Muslims and Jews. There was a very big unmet need and gap there. And you saw nothing at all with Muslim and Jewish women. We are the first and still the only group focusing on it. So it's real clear that this was a gap that needed to be filled. And we stepped in to fill that gap. Absolutely. So I have a very quick comment to share. The reason I decided to do this with Julie, the main reason is I know from my own experience that Jewish people probably are one of the communities who had experienced what the Muslim community are going through throughout the history. They have experienced Holocaust. They have experienced atrocious activities against the community. And then I thought, if there is only one community who understand my pain and my suffering as a Muslim in the United States is the Jewish community. So that's why I decided, you know what, this is what I would like to do. You are watching to Peace Mindedly, a podcast show featuring peaceful bridge makers. You are also listening to Peace Mindedly. So if you are watching, we are live streaming and we are taking comments and questions. Very quickly here, I wanted to play a comment that one of our audience shared here. Thank you so much, Emily. Emily Bert Hedrick, being a member of an SOS, Sister Huda Salam Shalom chapter, is such a blessing to me. My SOS sisters have sustained me since 2017 as I went through my husband's cancer and a subsequent death. They are such dear friends. They are sisters. Thank you to Cheryl and Sarah, to Heba, to all those who organize and sustain this movement. Uh, Emily, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. I truly, truly appreciate that. The aim at a Peace Mindedly is to create a space for peace, for good fight, nonviolent fight, and kindness and compassion. You can find Peace Mindedly on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you choose to listen and to uh, learn about your audio pleasures. For this hour, I'm talking with Sherry Olitsky, Sarah Haider, and Julie Plout Warwick. Martin is helping me out. So Cheryl is the executive director of Sisterhood of Salam Shalom an organization whose mission is to create bonds of kinship between Muslims and Jews. Cheryl is also a board member of the Muslim Jewish Advisory Council and Jewish Muslim Alliance. She is a nominated change maker at the White House Summit on the United States of Women in 2016. She is the recipient of Making a Difference Award from the Russell Berry Foundation, as well as Jefferson Award for Public Service from the New Jersey Governor in 2019. 
Cheryl is the proud of UNBMW in Intercultural Innovation Award on behalf of Sisterhood of Salam Shalom. Sarah Haydar is the Assistant Director, Chapter Management uh, for Sisterhood of Salam Shalom. She oversees chapters' performances and she helps the remote chapters to create a more sustainable presence within their own communities. Sarah has been a passionate advocate in raising awareness about the rights of orphaned and neglected children in Muslim communities. She served on the founding board of New Start Kafala, the first Muslim adoption agency in the United States. And she is on the board of directors for Cultivating Families. Julie Plout Warwick is a licensed health counselor and a certified laughter yoga teacher. Laughter yoga is a unique concept where everyone can laugh for no reason without relying on humor or jokes. It combines laughter exercise with yoga breathing. Julie's mission is to bring joy, laughter, happiness to people's life, especially those who are experiencing grief. Julie is the founding co-chairperson of Sisterhood of Salam Shalom, Eastside at the greater Seattle area. Now I am bringing my beautiful, wonderful guests. Okay, Julie, what is the difference between men and women of organizing or moving some of these gatherings forward? So I believe that men are very linear and they say, this is what we need to do, this, 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 and this, but they don't necessarily think of the larger picture. And women, so there's a, a thing that said men and women's brains. So men, they take out their box that they need to go work and they do their stuff in their work and then they put it back in. And they take out another one, which is play. They play and they put it back in. Women's brains are more like spaghetti and meatballs. We have everything all together. We have maps that go up and down and through and around. And we think of the greater picture. So who would connect to who and how, you know, the ball of string and the web. I, I truly believe that it's a difference in our brains and that women also have that nurturing. So while we can be powerful, we can also nurture the power. We are in the era of COVID-19 and the era of George Floyd's death. I want us to see how peace and kindness can help us going through difficult times. So who would like to start? I'll start. Yes. We know that ignorance is one of the major causes of hate. And it's not until we see the world through each other's eyes, we hear with our hearts instead of our ears, we listen to each other's stories, we respect the stories, we still may differ, but we've grown from those differences, that we will see the world as one, all of us as one, and all of us living in a world that this country was created to be, a world where we're all equal and a world 
gospel of justice. When we see the world that way, we rise up. When one of us is hurting, it's not that the other is hurting. When one of us is hurting, we are all hurting and we work together to stop that hurt. That's the world we're living in right now. And what the sisterhood is demonstrating is how we could respond to that world to stop the hurt as one. Excellent. Yes, there is an old saying. I said it once in the program. It's from Sadi. says that the all humans are part of one body. If one part is ached, the rest of the body is in, in pain. Sarah, so why do we need peace and kindness in the time of hardship and crisis? So in, in a crisis circumstance that we're going through, everyone's sentiments are stretched, their resources are stretched, they are on edge. And when we can simply create the space to accept the vulnerability and humanity of each individual, regardless of where they're coming from. A simple act of kindness, a smile, you know, a quick call to see, how are you doing? I have had this opportunity of reaching out to some of my neighbors to make sure that, you know, simple things like I'm going to the store. Is there something you need from the store? Is there anything I can help you with? Every little thing that we can do to ease the pain of the people around us helps us build a much kinder and much better world. And I feel that we can't change the whole world, but with every little act of kindness, we can bring some joy, some peace, and some love into the world at whatever level we can. Absolutely. So the simple act of kindness, laughter, and smile. And I know that Julie is the master of knowing many of those. So Julie, why do we need kindness, laughter, and peace? Well, simply by smiling. By smiling, you, you get more positive about things. Even when things are so bad, COVID-19, look at all these people who are dying and people who are safe in their homes. I don't want to say stuck, but safe in their homes. And just simply being positive and finding those silver linings. It's really important to find those silver linings of what's going on. I was part of a global peace meditation on Sunday where there were 31 countries that were represented and 80 people who meditated for peace. It's needed in the world. There are so many kind people out there. And I think that it is inside of all of us. We just need to bring it out and do a little smiling. Absolutely. Sarah? Yes. Yes. Both of our faith groups believe in something that is so critical that guides everything that we do as Muslims and Jews. And that is one who saves a life is as if they save the world. Yes. One who destroys a life as if they destroy it. It is as if they destroy the world. So one who saves a life as if they save a world. That is why basically we come together doing what we're doing. We're saving the world. What is your recommendation about deepening this relationship between Muslims and Jews, um, Cheryl? It's the primary thing that I say that drives the sisterhood of Salam Shalom. 
It's real easy to hate someone you don't know. When you know them, it's harder. And when you care and love them, it's almost impossible. It's our theory of change called contact effects and extended contact effects. We know we could stop hate between Muslims and Jews by getting every Muslim and Jew to care and love each other. And we know from contact effects, extended contact effects, and the research that's been conducted on us that each person involved in a sisterhood chapter influences 23 others about the importance of interfaith engagement, Muslim and Jewish engagement, and stopping hate against each other. So think about it. 8,000 women times 23 is over 160,000 that we're influencing that are outside of the sphere of the sisterhood. So we, by getting rid of ignorance, by building relationships, by taking it from strangers to friends, to true family, to sisters, can stop the, the cycle of hate. And that cycle is just out of control right now. We know we have the answer. We've proven it. Sarah, how can we deepen the relationship? The relationships are the lifeblood of our sisterhood, of any, you know, my personal sentiment is in order to have a relationship with anybody, you have to first respect each other. If you respect each other, you can build on that to develop mutual trust. Once you have the trust, you can build on the trust to develop an understanding and that mutual understanding can then lead to mutual love. So coming from the contact theory or coming from this relationship theory, the objectives and the paths are the same. The sisterhood has helped us develop that platform where we have an opportunity to get to know people we didn't know before. We have gotten to understand their view of life and in the process expanded our own view. And when we connect and do things together, we go out in the community and serve together. We sit down and connect with our deeper thoughts. We bake bread together. We break bread together. We get together in terms of serving or standing up against hate. Every such interaction builds deeper bridges and relationships. I have phenomenal relationship with one of my um, sisters that I met in the sisterhood of Chicago area. She grew up, obviously she grew up Jewish and I grew up uh, Muslim and we connected because we are both huggers. And in that hug, we developed a much deeper bond than our physical proximity allows us, than our faith background or upbringing allows us. But in that moment, we became true sisters of the heart, true kindred spirits, because we were open to sharing our heart with each other. And these are the kind of ways we help build those relationships and deepen those relationships so that we can stand together and have each other's back. You're not just somebody who grew up in my home. You're somebody I deeply care for. So if you are someone who is under attack from any source, I am going to be there for you because my well-being and happiness is tied to your well-being and happiness. Your well-being and happiness is tied to my well-being and happiness. Thank you, Sarah. I want to know Julie's idea. So Julie, tell me that what we need to do to deepen our compassion and understanding of others. I think we need to listen to people. 
we need to truly open up our hearts and our ears to be able to hear the fear and then take that fear and say, I'm the same as you. I'm a person, I'm a person who wants peace. And if we could truly understand it, understand from where they're coming and then take a deep breath and what Cheryl, what Cheryl was saying about step outside of your comfort zone. And I think that's so important is step outside of your comfort zone and take a deep breath and truly, truly listen to another human being. But first, I believe that the peace part, we need to understand and listen to ourselves. So mm -hmm. peace starts, it's inner peace and then global peace. I want to say Islamophobia is serious. And uh, the threat and fear that we experience is serious, especially my system, system producer has a scarf and that is an immediate target if it's in a very complicated group. I want us to see, but the other thing is I'm asking from my Muslim friends and the criticism I have is uh, the Muslim community is not very active. They are not at least in this greater Seattle area, as much as I see. What should we Muslim, in your opinion, we Muslim need to do more effectively address uh, this Islamophobia? There's several things that come to my mind. I think it may not be unique to the Seattle community first, <laughs> that the Muslim communities in our North American environment have tended to be more insular and they haven't stepped outside of their comfort zones, if you would. You know, um, there's groups of people who are so busy insisting that this is the only way we can be. We don't take the time to open our doors. We don't take the time and initiative to walk through a different set of doors. And the Muslim community has learned in the last 15, 20 years that interfaith dialogue is a great way to spread a different narrative. So we have to own our narrative. It's not about going out in the community and telling people how Muslims are or what they believe. It's about living the values so that people in the community see you as a positive, productive, and engaged citizen. So Excellent. when we see people getting involved in the school boards, when we see people working in the community, you know, feeding the homeless, doing something that adds value to society outside of your immediate community, you humanize the Muslim image. And Islamophobia is in part reaction to the insularity. And that is very easy for us to step outside of our comfort zone and address directly. Yes, mentioned important issues. So Martin, I want to know your ideas. I know you're active, you are going places and you're doing things, but two things. What do you what do you want to see from a non-Muslim group and what do you think that we need to do as Muslim community to engage more? Um I think 
Yes, I think the Muslim community can be more active in trying to uh, reach out and their social works. And I think some of the mosques that I've been attending here, like the MAPS uh, has a chapter, MAPS Amen, and the Iman Center are trying uh, a lot to bridge these gaps. And there are lots of partnerships that they're producing, for example, with other uh, churches and synagogues. They're organizing events such as Faith Over Fear. So I think it really depends on uh, that the community, whether they are trying to reach out or not. And some of them are doing a better job than others. And I think it's also important that the burden doesn't only fall on Muslims trying to do this only, that uh, because they are the minority here and they are new here. So something else that we also have to remember about Muslims in the United States is that they're a lot, they're much newer to the USA than, for example, than our Jewish brothers and sisters. So they're really hard at just sustaining their livelihood and learning the language and um, making ends meet. So they are really still, a lot of them are newcomers and they're at the at the you know, the, the earlier stages of just implementing their themselves into uh, United States. So that's why maybe we also see that they are not so involved because it could be because of many reasons, just being able, working several shifts to make ends meet and learning the language and just raising kids. So they are really recent to, to this environment and they're just trying to fit in. So um, I think we have to also take that into consideration and not have the exact same, you know, expectation as our brothers uh, and sisters in the Jewish faith and the Christian faith. Excellent point. Um, Excellent point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You are listening to Peace Mindedly, a podcast show featuring peaceful bridge makers and how to find uh, information about Sisterhood of Salam Shalom. So it's sosspeace.org. There is a wealth of information about the organization, what they stand for and, and everything. So please do check their website. It's um, lots of information, lots of information also on goldtoon.com. Goldtoon is a news magazine. Matien is one of the editors. We manage the news magazine covering stories about peace and lifestyle. So for this program, the headline of the story is Cheryl Olitsky, Sarah Haydar, and Julie Plout-Warwick talk about Sisterhood of Salam Shalom. So please do check us. Also, if you're listening, we are live streaming our conversation on Facebook. I just wanted to mention very quickly, I'm so grateful for the people who are coming and who are investing their time to listen to us and to learn from our guests. Parisa Behzadpour mentioned about education and about early education. And I think, honestly, with the George Floyd and with what's happening in the country, they are taking Many of the white Americans are taking bold actions, joining the demonstrations, joining the protests, and just supporting minority groups, especially African-Americans and Black. I truly appreciate many of uh, my fellow white citizens who've been on the front line fighting against injustice. If it was not for them, the movement could not move as the way it's moving right now. So you are listening to P 
peace-mindedly. At the end of the program, I ask my guests to close the program uh, with something meaningful about peace, kindness, compassion. So when we think about what peace means at an individual level, and I'm going to refer to Julie's comment that you have to strive for inner peace first before you can go out in the world and build peace. And it's the same thing with relationships. If you have a comfortable relationship with yourself, you're going to be able to have a positive and comfortable relationship with those outside of yourself. So what do we need to do to create inner peace and exude it outwards? The first thing is I derive a lot of inspiration from our Islamic faith process where taking action to restore justice, taking action to bring kindness and positive sentiment into the world is very important. We have to do our part in valuing ourselves and the value of life outside of ourselves. And if we value the right to life of all individuals, after we value our own life in the process, we create the space for others to feel safe around us. That's how we create safety in the world. That's how we create peace and harmony in the world. You know, if you walk into a room and everybody shuts down conversation and starts staring at you, that's a very uncomfortable circumstance. But if you are walking into a space where everyone welcomes you with a smile, and with positive gestures and engages in conversation, empathetically listens to you, you automatically start feeling comfortable and at peace in that environment. And that's how, little by little, we build with those building blocks to build a larger scale world in every interaction. So the work starts with self, then with your home, then with your community, then with the world. And we can all take those steps along the way. Absolutely. Every time we talk about laughter and smile, I think about Julie. (laughs) 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 Julie, so um, what what do you want us to take away from the conversation? I should tell you all to laugh. But but besides that, as, as a little girl, I was taught... Sedek Sedek Tirdov, it's justice, justice you shall pursue. And it's written in the Torah, justice, justice you shall pursue. And so the idea of justice, the idea of peace, peace, that I don't want to walk into a room, just like Sarah was saying, and have people say, oh, that's that's the Jewish girl. She's wearing the necklace that that either has a Jewish star on it or whatever that says that I am Jewish. When, when I moved here, and I'm going to go a little back to what Mateen said, when I moved here 26 years ago, there was nothing, nobody knew about Judaism or in the stores and anything. And we've had this conversation. Um, it's and I used to educate people and I used to always wear my Jewish star and say, this is what you need for Passover. This is what we'd like to have for Hanukkah. And then the education 
was the most important thing. And we're getting there, but my Muslim sisters need to work hard on educating other people as well. And I would love to be able to to help that them in that process. Peace is for me stepping across the aisle, knowing that we are all human beings, that we are all on this planet, and that we all need to take a huge, deep breath and smile. Absolutely. <laughs> Martin, do you want to share something about peace and what we take away from this conversation? I think everyone said really what's there. I, I just think really cooperation between everyone. What Julie said really taking yourself out of your comfort zones to try to, um, and I've done really, I've done that. And I do tell a lot of other Muslims that you should ask for what you want. You know, you should ask to be represented. And sometimes you do need to ask for, to be included in things. And, but also just cooperation and kindness uh, are the basics of human relationship. And I think even the worst of situations, people can always try to see the positive in something or try to see the positive in someone else and try to draw on that and uh, to build, you know, great relationships with other people and find commonality with other people. Okay, Cheryl John. You say Cheryl John in, in Farsi. Please, as a closing statement, tell us what you want us to know about peace, kindness, and compassion. So I go back to what I said a few minutes ago. It's real easy to hate someone you don't know. When you know them, it's harder. And when you care and love them, it's impossible. So I ask everyone to join me in that challenge of making it impossible. See the world through each other's eyes, not through your eyes. Listen, listen to each other, share stories and listen to stories and listen with your heart, not with your ears. Approach differences in beliefs, differences in actions, even differences in political viewpoints as something that is good and okay and something you can learn from and grow from. You don't have to absolutely agree with that person. But what I would ask you to do is to listen, to respect, and to grow from yourself and grow from that person. The number one commandment in the Torah, the Jewish holy source, is to protect the stranger. We were all strangers. It's mentioned more than any other commandment because that is the tenant of Judaism. And I believe it's the same in Islam. We have a responsibility to take care of one another, to respect one another, and to protect one another. It is only then that this world will be made a better place. So I invite everyone to do such. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your bubble. We might not be able to physically be together, but there are so many opportunities to come together practicing social distancing i invite anyone and all of you to please come to our website s-o-s-s the initials for sister salam shalom s-o-s-s-p-e-a-c-e.org enter comments contact us we will involve you in our newsletters things that are happening come to our facebook group sisterhood of salam shalom or s-o-s-s peace 
Absolutely. Yes. It's been a wonderful discussion. Thank you very much for being here, for being my honored guests. Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Julie. Thank, thank you, Sarah. Thank, thank you, Cheryl. Thank you, Sarah. This is fabulous. Yes. Thank, Thank you, you so much for the opportunity. It was great meeting everyone and seeing Absolutely. everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Khoda Hafez.